0: Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost.
1: There was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, rich man. He had a high status in the eyes of the Romans. They had promoted him above the other men who were taking tax for them. He was a chief tax collector, happened to live in a a city called Jericho, a really posh, affluent, luxuriant part of the country. He was doing very well. Thank you. We also find that he's a, a small man. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short... now. Don't get into small man syndrome. Uh, but he, he was short and he couldn't see Jesus because of a big crowd and they were all in front of him. So he decided he'd climb up a tree, a sycamore fig tree. But there he is. There's something about this man. Physically, he's small. But the thing that comes out most in this passage is that he's a needy man. He's a needy man. Uh, Jesus asks, I'm going to come to your house, we're going to see you in that moment. He comes to his house for tea. But notice verse 7: all the people saw this and began to say. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What? He's a rich man. He works for the Romans. But he's a very unpopular man. The ordinary people, the people in the town, the people who pay taxes to him don't like him one little bit. They've put him in the category, uh, using Gid's little analogy, we went through all the jobs for different people. He's a planner. He's like he's at the bottom of the pile. We don't like him at all. He's a sinner. He's He's like... We don't, we don't want him as our friend. He's not on my Facebook page. You know, he's not in our WhatsApp group. We don't, we don't talk to him at all. He's a sinner. He's a needy man in the sense that he's surrounded by people who don't like him. Well, we, we've, we've lived with a lot of isolation, haven't we, this last 18 months or so. But it's one thing to be locked in your house and have friends. It's another thing to be able to walk down the street and nobody wants to talk to you. That's this man. But actually, Jesus describes it even in a more profound sense. Notice at the very end, verse 10, the Son of Man, that's Jesus himself. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. The lost. He's needy, not in terms of social isolation and being unpopular. He's needy because he's not got a right relationship with God. He's lost before God. That's this man. Now, I don't know how you feel about yourself. Uh, Probably might not describe yourself as rich. Uh, You you may be very different stature. But that deep need inside of you for friendship, to have a network of people who love you and care for you. Uh, We've just heard Ruth's story, how important that was to her. And at the deepest level, if people matter to us, How much more we should have a relationship with the God who loves us and has made us. Well, maybe this is gnawing deep inside of him. Because one of the things we're told about him is that he's curious. He's curious. He wants to find out about Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, that's unusual. There are not many people in our culture who want to see who Jesus is. Despite Jesus Christ shaping the world more than any other individual. It's just a main, a plain matter of historical fact. Despite that, our culture kind of airbrushes Jesus out. And it's quite embarrassing to say, I want to find out about Jesus. Where would you go if you want to find out about Jesus? Well, you might go to church. Oh, that's embarrassing. Might might ask your friends, what do you think? I want to find out about Jesus. What do you think? Could you help me? I have never heard that conversation between adults anywhere you're out there in the workplace in the in the hockey team i play with with my neighborhood nobody says i I, I want to find out about jesus they don't it's it's not the done thing but he doesn't care and he doesn't care about the embarrassment i mean he's a rich man but he climbs up a tree I, i don't know how old he is but when was the last time as an adult you climbed a tree i mean i did when i was a kid i loved it but how many adults of my age climb trees But he wants to because he thinks, well, if that's the way I'm going to see Jesus, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll come to church. I'll do an explore course. I want to see Jesus. We're not told in the passage why, but clearly there's something going on in this man's life. There's something deeply unsettling. He's not a contented rich man. Rich man, small man, needy man. But then we're told. Not only is he looking out for Jesus, Jesus is looking out for him. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Notice that little word must. There's a sort of compulsion there. There's not like it would be nice because I know you're wealthy. You know, you know, lay out the tea for us. No, it's not a it's not a. Please, will you help me? It's, I've got an appointment with you. It's a must. It's a divine must. It's not just a human must. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the last time. This is the last time this man will have any chance to see Jesus. Within a week, Jesus is going to be dead. Within a week, he's going to be hung on that cross. And everybody around him is going to uh, mock him and dismiss him and despise him and reject him. Jesus has an appointment with his own destiny, for he knows where he's going. He set his mind, his heart, his will, his obedience to his father to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross. But as part of that appointment, I must come to your house today because I'm on a search and rescue mission for people like you. You may not know that I am the one that can bring you back to God, but I am here to do that. And today I'm coming to your house for the son of man. That's Jesus. I've come to seek and save the lost, including you. If Jesus was doing that for him, then Jesus is doing that to people now all over the place. You don't even know it at the time. I certainly didn't. I didn't know there was a search and rescue mission out to find me. But I sat down with a friend one day. At school, my last couple of months at school, we started talking. And he had the courage to say to me, do you want to find out about Jesus? I'm not sure if I said yes, but well, and next thing he gave me a book. And that book was when God met with me to show me what Jesus was showing that man that day. And for you, it may be a similar story. Somebody talked to you at work, maybe your parents or grandparents, maybe somebody invited you even here. None of that's accidental because you may not know it, but the God of the Bible is on a search and rescue mission for people everywhere. On that day, Jesus could physically say to him, your house right now. But it might be that he is saying to you, your life right now. I must speak to you. I must spend time with you because I have come to seek and to save the lost. You may not realize how lost you are before God, but Jesus knows. And that's why there's an urgency. What a shock that must have been to him up the tree. The very Jesus he was looking for was looking for him and he never knew it. And so it is with us. We often talk about man's search for God as if God is playing hide and seek. But it's not that way around at all. It's God's search for people. We are like the mouse and God is like the cat. He's after us, but not to devour us. He's after us to win us back. Well, here we find Zacchaeus. But then the story moves on. Notice all the people say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Tut, tut, tut. But then this is after he spent time with jesus but zacchaeus stood up so the the author kind of compresses it down we're told before and after we're not really told what happens during we're going to see that in a moment but afterwards zacchaeus stood up and said to the lord look lord here and now i give half of my possessions to the poor and if i have cheated anybody out of anything i will pay back four times the amount Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. What is going on? It's easy to read it like this. Jesus spent time with this guy and this guy goes, right, okay. I'll tell you what, I'll do something really, really good. Like I'll give a load of money away. And then Jesus said, yes, because you've given your money away. Oh, you're now a wonderful person and you're in the kingdom of heaven because of your gift and generosity. That's the wrong way around to read it. It's not because he's generous that Jesus says salvation has arrived. It's because salvation has arrived that he becomes generous. Because he's found by Jesus, because he's restored by God, because he now is in God's family, is truly a son of Abraham. The result of that, the evidence of that is that he becomes a generous man. When Jesus and today's salvation has come to this house is I have now seen with my own eyes the result of you being reconnected to the father. As a result of being found, being saved, being restored, being forgiven, he becomes a generous man. It's an evidence of a changed life. Not the reason why Jesus accepts him. What was that conversation that Jesus had with him? Well, we don't know for sure. But let me tell you this. It was not more information about how to be generous. You notice when he first says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. He's referring to the law of the Bible that he would have known of from a boy. And in one of those laws, it said if you've stolen a sheep. And you get found out you have to restore four. If you steal, the thief is caught. The penalty is you have to restore four. He has known that for a boy, but he's ignored it. Of course he's fleeced people. When he says, it doesn't come out so clearly in our language, but when he says, if I have cheated anybody out of anything, it's like, they all know I have. So I'm going to restore four times. He knows the law, but has ignored it. He's just got on with his life, doing his own thing, feathering his own nest. Who cares what God says? But now, now the love of Jesus Christ has invaded his life. He wants to do what God wants. He's not having to earn God's favor. He's not trying to bribe God by saying, look, okay, what, how, what, what do I have to do? Half my wealth? Oh, okay, then. He's not doing that at all. What he's doing, he's saying, "I have gripped. I've been gripped by something." Now we don't know the conversation. We can only guess. We can only guess that Jesus is saying to him, "I've come to seek and save people like you to bring you back to a father. I've come to forgive you. I've, I'm going to the cross in a week's time to die for you." It, it, Jesus had been telling these kind of stories all the way through. Uh, just uh, earlier. In, in chapter 18, if you've got a Bible, you'll see back, Jesus tells the story of a tax collector just like this man who had said, God, forgive me, and he, and he was forgiven. And he's also told the story of a rich man and said how hard it is for the, king, the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's not impossible with God. It is impossible with human beings. We can't change ourselves, but God can change us. And Jesus changes this man. He doesn't change him by shouting at him. He doesn't change him by trying to manipulate him and bully him. He changes him by his grace and mercy. We just sung amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Well, he gets something of that here. I am a wretch, but I am loved by the son of man who came to seek and save the lost. He has gripped by the love of Jesus that will forgive him everything and bring him back into the family of God. And as an evidence of that, having experienced the freeness of God's generosity, I want to be generous. Do you see the connection? And Jesus is like, Yeah, that's exactly so, Zacchaeus. You are a son of Abraham, you are part of the heavenly family, you are saved. This is the evidence. You've become a generous person. Now, that's a challenge to all of us, isn't it? We haven't got time to go through. But if you go through the rest of this passage, you've got it in your meeting guide. You may read it later. The thing that Jesus is worried about is that some of his followers won't be as, as obviously generous as this. Generous with their time. Generous with their kindness. Generous with their wealth. Generous with their, their abilities. Jesus tells a story of, of some servants, some of whom were Zacchaeus-like in their generosity, and others that weren't. But Jesus is just saying, this is what it looks like when you've been touched by the grace of God. You can never be the same again. Now, if you are a disciple of Jesus, the real lesson is this. You've got to keep yourself close to the heart of Jesus Christ. Or you will become the servants who are not profitable. You'll become driven by what do I have to do? Do I have to do it? It will become driven by ought to's. Must I? Whereas this man is driven by want to. Because he has felt something of the rich grace of God. And it's, it's a challenge when we first become a Christian. I'm going to follow Jesus with my whole heart. It's a bigger challenge to keep going, isn't it? And that's why Jesus tells the parable. Don't just start singing amazing grace when you first become a Christian. You want to be singing it at the very end of your life. Amazing grace saved a wretch like me. And I want to follow the Savior who went to the cross on Calvary and took my blame and took my shame to bring me back into the loving arms of a father who's forgiven me everything. That's the challenge Of this man's a It's not just a story and go, how nice. It's there as a mirror to our lives. Do you know this grace for yourself? Have you stopped recognizing that you depend on Jesus' mercy and his kindness when you don't deserve it? And the more you grasp that, you'll say, oh, I want to be like him. I want to be a generous person. However, I can be generous. He had lots of wealth, but maybe I've got time. I, I, I want to be the kind of person that mirrors the generosity of a generous God. It's a great story, isn't it? But it's there that we might say to my, to my own heart, have I been found by Jesus yet? He is knocking on the door of your life right now. That's, what the, that's why you're here to this morning. The Son of Man saying, I must speak to you right now. I'm knocking on the door of your life. Have you let me in yet? Have you asked me for what I can do for you that no one else can do for you? And if you're a Christian, he's knocking on the heart of your life too. Remember, some of you will know the very last book of the Bible. Jesus tells a story. I Behold, I'm knocking on the door. Let me in. He is speaking to Christians at that point. Because we can live our Christian lives and say, Lord, not into this area of my life. Some ways that you've let him in will be seen in your bank balances, won't it? If you've let him in, you, it'll be seen in your bank balance, just like this man's life, if you've let him in. It'll be seen in the way that you worship, if you've let him in. It'll be seen in the way that you're concerned for Community Sunday and, and people like Ruth. That'll, it'll be seen like that if you've let him in. But if you've been trying to put your foot behind the door and just keep him out, well, this morning, let you hear that knock on your door of your life again. So no, don't take the foot away. Let me in. Invite me in. Let me shape your life by my grace once again.